0: KGF Church, it's Marissa, and this week in announcements, we have two things. The first is that the church building is back open, and we are open from 9 a.m. to noon, Monday to Thursday. And the second thing is, we are excited to invite you into a conversation around faith, grief, and COVID-19. And this will be hosted by one of our very own Stephen Ministers, Tasha Cross. The material comes from Sanctuary Mental Health. And each conversation is centered around a five to 10 minute video. There is no pre reading or homework, and each session will last for one hour over Zoom. This time together will start on Thursdays, January 14th, from 7 to 8 p.m., and will go for four weeks. Every single one of us has been impacted or affected by COVID 19 whether it's through the loss of social interactions, felt risks to our health, or feeling like we've lost control over our own choices. We would all benefit from sitting down and talking together about this. So I hope you'll join us on the 14th. If you would like to join us, shoot us an email and let us know that you'll be joining. And head to the newsletter to get the link for the Zoom meeting. We look forward to seeing you then.
1: KGF family, we are here today to uh, pray with our dear friends, Ruth and David Weens as they head off to Cuernavaca, Mexico on their annual missions trip. And we're delighted to be here to pray with them and commission them as our KGF representatives in ministry. And so, uh, Dave and Ruth, um, I just want
2: to ask you first, so tell us a little bit about your history with Acts. In 2004, my brother invited me to go to Mexico with him to uh, give assistance to Atzin in regards to their ready mix or their ready mix, their concrete design. And that was my expertise. And so I went along in 2004. Ever since we've been going back almost yearly and we were there for two years straight on a two year assignment. Uh, This year, we're going back again.
1: And where is Cornavaca in Mexico, and what will you be doing there?
2: Cornavaca is an hour and a half south-southwest of Mexico City. It's a city of a million two. The, that's where our office is, but the work that we do will be taking place in Talamacazapa, which is an hour and three quarter from Cornavaca in the uh, hills, or in the mountains of uh, Guerrero and Ruth will tell you what we're going to be doing now.
3: ATSIN is a nonprofit organization and has no political or religious affiliation. And its focus is, is on education, nutrition, water, sanitation, and health. It's a people-oriented development work. Um, David will be doing maintenance work together with the other male at the center and provide a lot of technical, support to the team in Cornavaca and Talamakasapa. I will be in the office working alongside the director and the office staff who are all young women from the village who are receiving training or taking courses in computer or administration uh, with money that has been donated to Atsin and we will return March 14th.
1: And aside from prayer support, are there any other needs that uh, you have in this ministry at this time?
3: All the needs that Atsin expressed for us to bring along have been met and more with donations or money towards it. So we want to just thank you so much for the things we are bringing along. Vitamins, prenatal vitamins, baby clothes, flashlight, knitted hats, sweaters, portable ultrasound dopplers, and dehydrated bags of soup mix from Gleaners. And um, yeah, what we need most is your prayer support because we're on the front line, but we really need you all behind us, praying for us. And just this morning, we got an email that was kind of a God thing. We were told there was a very slim chance that we would be approved, but um, we submitted to the Air Canada Foundation to have two of our five bags uh, have the fee waived. And this morning they were pleased to announce that they would be doing that. So that was wonderful.
1: Awesome, awesome. And we're gonna have uh, Harold Crandall pray over you guys as, uh, as you go and with our blessing. Harold? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Dave and Ruth and their willingness to serve you. We pray for, safety, for an effective ministry. We pray that you will give them many opportunities to share the, the love of Jesus and the blessings that that you have given. We pray that you would encourage and guide and, and pray for many opportunities for them. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Thank you,
4: Good morning everybody, we're out here where I have planted some garlic way in underneath here. Kids, I don't know if you can see it, but a few weeks ago I planted some garlic bulbs in here and I'm going to dig in, but I, you know what, I still can't see anything growing. It's just buried underneath the snow. And I wonder, we want some garlicky feasts next year, next summer. Well, we got to wait for the garlic to grow, and I wonder how does a garlic bulb grow? It lays in here, buried, almost like it's dead for months, and then slowly it will grow. And by next summer, we'll have lots of garlic. Kids, here's what I'd love for you to do today, maybe after the service or maybe even during if your parents are prepared, is get some dirt, find a seed, plant a seed and watch what happens over the next number of weeks in the middle of winter a chance to see something grow. And this has to do with our sermon this morning. All right, so hey, let's head inside and jump into God's word together. All right, well, here we are back inside. Thanks for joining me out in the garden. And thank you for also coming back in with me as we uh, continue our message today and, and turn our attention to this incredible Picture, Perhaps you uh, saw something like this. We had a big dump of snow on December the 21st, so we didn't, we didn't get a chance to see the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn that night. And it's too bad because the last time it happened was March the 4th, 1226. Not sure who was around to record it. But anyway, it was way back then. And so we have to enjoy the pictures. This one was taken in eastern Spain. It's pretty impre- incredible. Uh, because of how rare and how bright this great conjunction was. It had a nickname. Do you remember what the nickname of this was? It was the Christmas Star. Really fitting that it happened so close to Christmas this time. Was this the type of celestial event that the Magi saw? I don't know. Maybe it was. Um, Just this past Wednesday, January the 6th, was one of the three great annual Christian celebrations. Did you celebrate it? It was Epiphany, the celebration of the Magi arriving to see the child Jesus as recorded in Matthew chapter two. Kids, what do you know about the arrival of the Magi, the wise men, or the three kings? What can you think of connected to that? Is it camels? Uh, how about the three gifts? gold, frankincense, and yep, yeah, you got it? myrrh. Uh, was it the star, perhaps? Maybe that's kind of what it looked like, way back, a little over 2,000 years ago. How about you sing with me? There's lots of Christmas carols that have songs. Uh, Christmas carols that include the story of the Magi. How about we sing this line together, a few lines together of this one. You'll be able to join with me. Here we go. Oh, Oh, star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. I can't sing as well as Joel or many of you, but thanks for joining in. How did, how did the Magi navigate their way from presumably somewhere in Persia or Iran today, maybe over deserts like you just saw there, to Judea? Ancient travelers navigated using many creative ways, including this tool that you see right here. Do you know what that's called? The sextant, the sextant. This device looks way more complicated than the devices we're used to using. Uh, Doesn't that look look more complicated than this? When we type in a location, we press go, and a voice directs us and even corrects us sometimes. My phone, if I search actually right now, if I search right now on my maps, my phone tells me it is 10,602 kilometers To Bethlehem. And when I hit go on the directions, it tells me there's no directions available. Now, well, that's the way it is. Can you read a roadmap? Hmm. Those old things, some of you might even have paper roadmaps. Kids, come over here with me. I want to show you something because here's what I would love for you to draw today. Hopefully you have some paper and crayons, but I would love for you to draw a road map. You can make it into a bit of a maze. I've created my own here. We've got uh, and, and what I'd like you to do is have a cross representing Jesus up in one corner, and you down there Now that's me wearing the Toronto Maple Leafs jersey because it's almost NHL hockey season. So I look really happy, but probably as a leaf fan, in a few months, I won't be. So I have to draw myself that way now. And then I've created all these roads and pathways. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to do similarly, build a a maze of roads, a road map that gets from you to Jesus. And then after the service, you can have some of the big people around you try to follow the maze, okay? Because this is a helpful part of where we're going today. And we're going to be asking a question, as we always do. The question for today that we're heading toward is... What do I need to die to in order to become more fully alive as a follower of Jesus? What do I need to die to in order to become more fully alive as a follower of Jesus? And by the way, we have our uh, New Year scripture reading guide, our abiding scripture reading guide that Marissa Burns, our children's director, put together. Check it out on the website. You can find it through the newsletter. We want you to be able to be in the scriptures and be in it together as a church so let's let's continue how does planting seeds and navigating what do these two things have to do with this new year's feast we're beginning 2021 with my peace and reconciliation network colleague chris pull and i am described it well during our global team retreat back in december he said this he said during covid We're no longer navigating by roads that are easy to follow. No, he said, you know what? 2020 so disrupted us, so disturbed us, it exposed perhaps that we're lost. And Chris said that COVID has returned us to navigating the unknown seas. We're bobbing on the waves, blown about by unseen forces. We can no longer see where we left, the land that we left behind, and we can't see the land That we'll end up in. We're navigators yet again. And navigators need a compass. We need guidance when we don't know where we are. And as we step into the uncertainties and the expectations as well of 2021. Are you identifying with that? That you're bobbing on the seas a little bit. Navigating a land you can no longer see but not quite sure where you're going. I I can resonate with that. And Siri does not have an answer for me. The endless drip of human intellect and entertainment doesn't satisfy, but it can sure add to the noise and mess with my frequencies. When the maps don't help us any longer, we need the humility of seeking out ancient ways. The prophet Jeremiah warned the Israelites in ancient times. He said this, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Doesn't that sound like the moment we're in? A world out of control? What will we say to this invitation to the ancient ways at the beginning of 2021 and this New Year's feast Last week, we talked about setting the table for this New Year's feast. Have you put any of that into practice? Have you set a place for prayer, for scripture, for acts of faith in your life? Have you slowed down so that you can hear the shepherd's voice? What is your compass for these rolling seas? Last March, I was listening to our prime minister speak directly to Canadian children in the early days of COVID. It was good of him to do that. In essence, he was trying to provide a compass for kids who just had school canceled and their normal all shut down. But what compass did he suggest? Here's what he said, this is his quote. Thank you for helping your parents work from home, for sacrificing your usual day, for doing math class around the kitchen table, and for trusting in science. Now, this isn't in any way meant as a criticism of our prime minister. We need to pray for our governmental leaders and we need science. And actually, I'd like us to stop right now and pray for our political leaders because they need great wisdom right now. Lord, we pray your blessing on our prime minister, on our our premier, on those giving leadership at a political and governmental level right now, for those in the healthcare authorities that need to make tough decisions, we ask that you would give them grace and wisdom. And Jesus, you're the Lord of heaven and earth. Would you lead and guide, and even where your name isn't held in honor, would you bring about your ways and your peace, bring about your purposes right now, we pray, and bless these who've been called out to lead us for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we need to pray for our governmental leaders. And we need science to understand God's creation and the impact of the fall on the world that we are to steward, but trusting science as my compass won't strengthen my soul for the re- very real stuff that I'm feeling, the seas that I'm navigating. Even back in March last year, I couldn't help but think of how this social compass we were being offered differed from the word of the Lord. It's why our church's response from the very beginning was to encourage you toward triads and hubs and life groups, small navigational relational circles that were centered on prayer and scripture and acts of faith, where small things were done greatly and we followed our good and great shepherd. This doesn't have to stop right now. The church is not closed. Strength for your soul can be found right now. We do have a social duty these days to love one another and protect the vulnerable. We must do this. But are you doing your spiritual duty, taking responsibility to stay close to the shepherd and find strength for your soul? Without this, I'm afraid that we drift on these seas and we become bitter and we end up spiritually marooned or, or worse. Psalm 23 again describes the Lord as our shepherd. We're gonna read this again together this morning. Would you join in with me? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What great words, Psalm 23. You know, Jesus' first words to his disciples in Mark chapter 1 were, follow me. Jesus says in John chapter 10, which we talked about last week, I am the good shepherd, the Lord is our shepherd, and Jesus makes himself the compass. What or who is the compass you are following at the beginning of 2021? We're in this historical moment with lots of information, entertainment and amusement coming out the wazoo, and yet are you spiritually lost on the seas? The way to a soul deeply strengthened for this world out of control is not more information. Frankly, it's not even streaming more sermons like this. It is to confess that we are powerless and weak. We are, to mix all the metaphors into one humorous image, we are like sheep trying to navigate the seas. Have you ever seen a sheep on a boat? Siri, Siri just doesn't help me. When I said, "ba" to Siri, she said, "Uh, here's some more information. (laughs) We are like sheep seeking to read a sexton, raise sails, and do the impossible. We, but we are human beings in this real world made in the image of God, and we need our God to guide us. Who are you following? Is it time to receive the gift of following, the way forward? Strength for a world out of control is the humility and the weakness of sheep to know our shepherd and to even know how to follow. So how does one follow? In John chapter 12, verses 24 to 26, Jesus gives us some crucial insights. And before we dive into them, please listen as Abby Kokoschke reads for us John 12,
3: 24 to 26. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain only a single seed. Seed, But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me.
4: The context of these words of Jesus is crucial. If you look back at verse 20, you find that there was some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival, and these Greeks, these Gentiles, asked to see Jesus. And this is the first time If you look at verse 23, that Jesus will say, the hour has come. The moment has arrived for the Son of Man to be glorified, for Jesus to step into the fullness of his purpose for coming. A new day has dawned, he says. Jew and Gentile are getting on board, and the ship is sailing. We can be where God is at work and present. We can be where he is. And Jesus is the compass. He is the shepherd. But how do we follow? And even more so, if we hear how we must follow, will we still want to? That's a crucial question. If we hear what he says about how we are to follow, will we still want to? This will expose our souls. Jesus clearly And starkly describes what this following looks like. And Abby read this for us. Verse 26. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. It's like Jesus is drawing a map. Kids, like you're working on right now. If we want to be where he is, we must follow him. Following is the only way. To serve him is... To follow him. He is the compass. To end up where Jesus is. To be where God is at work. To be in the presence of God and his great strength requires following him his way. There is no other way. And so what does he say about following? Well, he says these two things. First, he says, you have to die like a seed. A kernel of wheat must fall to the ground and die if it is to produce fruitfulness. That garlic bulb out in my garden under the piles of snow must get buried deep, and the best thing that a seed can do to serve its purpose is to essentially die. It must surrender completely to the ground. Only in this way will it truly live. Following Jesus, you see, requires the counterintuitive surrendered act of dying to self and this is to literally say i give up the right to say how my life is to be lived i lay it all down it all goes in the ground entrusted to the lord of heaven and earth i will not say i have my rights I will say, he has my life, and all that that means, my relationships, my money, my work, my sexuality, my wants, my desires, it's buried in anticipation that God can grow what I can't. Have you done this? Have you died like a seed? And then he says, hate your life. Verse 25, Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it. If we serve Jesus, we must follow him. And that means embracing his ways and yoking to his ways as our compass and Lord, rather than the wearying ways of the world. As we follow him and do what he does, we will find ourselves where he is. Serving And following Jesus, you see, are the same thing. Following is believing. Believing is serving. This is not about knowing the right things about God. It is about dying to yourself and obeying Jesus' teaching. Even Jesus' great commission at the end of Matthew chapter 28 says that we are to teach all things that we have observed everything that he has commanded us and we have learned to obey is what we pass on to others to make more and more fruitful disciples here's what I'm wondering here's actually what I'm observing we've loved our politics we've loved the idea of being right We have made the last number of months about masks or no masks, about trusting the science or not trusting the science. But the kingdom of God is not about being right. It's about dying to self and surrendering to the lordship and leadership of Jesus the shepherd and following him right now. Jesus breaks into the mess of this confused and waffling world and he describes himself as the compass for those who need strength for living. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to get on living rightly? Do we want to be right? Or be a people of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit as Paul describes in Romans chapter 14 verse 17. Are we right in our love, our generosity, our compassion, our humility, our relationships, our forgiving, our truth-telling? These are the kingdom of God questions. Are we asking them? Jesus builds a community of disciples who will follow his ways regardless of the times. The world right now is seeking strength for the soul. Like these Greeks, they're asking... To see Jesus. Are we, his disciples, those of us who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, are we acting no different than anyone else, screaming to defend our rights? To become seed. To stop loving our lives. Or defending the life we have cherished and snuggled up to. This is the great God question the soul-revealing and the soul-strengthening question at the Lord's table. Let's be completely transparent. Christians in North America who say the current restrictions are persecution are revealing one thing. We have not experienced real, what real persecution is, and we won't be ready for it when it exists. We are sheep in training, Right now, finally being forced to learn that the way forward as transformational agents of the kingdom of God in the world is through surrendering our rights to follow the shepherd, to strengthen our souls, to learn what true life is. And so much of our striving can end up without Jesus. It ends up looking like self-promotion. And I want to be where Jesus is. And the only way to get there is to follow him. And to follow him means embracing his way of being glorified, becoming a seed, hating life on my own terms. If you want to serve me, if you want to follow me, you must follow me, Jesus says. It's not an option. Jesus the shepherd gives a singular call to stop loving your life the word for love there is phileo that's the greek word it means to cherish to have intimate friendship it's like so jesus is saying to stop having intimate friendship to cherishing your life like the special christmas present you receive that you won't share with anybody else stop it stop loving your life that way he says and then he says we must utterly hate life In this world, for the God life. And that word for hate is meseo. It means to reject and denounce one in favor of another. It's to say, I set this aside for this one. Jesus says, hate your life on your terms and embrace his way of being. He invites me to hate my life. What is this? Well, it's the furthest thing from self-loathing. It's actually to completely embrace the world. Like the kernel of wheat or that garlic bulb that falls to the ground is completely surrendered to fruitful purposes. This isn't escapism. It's to truly embrace the strong, purposeful life. Even when we pray the Lord's Prayer, It's all about the Father being revealed in the real world. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Teach us how to forgive. Help us to overcome the evil one. It's not escapism. It's war. Your soul will reveal the compass that you follow. Is it strong? Is it strength for others? Is it producing fruit? In a world out of control, strength for your soul will not be found anywhere other than following Jesus and following him his way. But it's too hard. It's too costly. I'm afraid his demands seem unreasonable. Perhaps you're thinking or have already said all those things. Listen. Before the cross, and kids, I had you draw a little cross to represent Jesus up in the corner of the map that you're drawing. Before the cross became a sign of victory, of redemption and deliverance from the power of sin, it was a sign of execution. Jesus asked his disciples to take up their cross before it was defined by resurrection and ascension. Jesus sets the compass, boom, He says without dying to self or hating our own lives, we can't be his disciples. We need to count the cost. This isn't spiritual Disneyland. It isn't actually safe. It's the wide open seas that will rip you apart and throw you overboard. You need strength. You need a compass. The way is to follow and to follow by dying. This is a costly call, but all calls are costly Have you considered where the compass you are currently following leads? As you begin this year, the king, he spreads a feast. The good shepherd has everything you need. He prepares a table before us, but we must follow, and we must follow his way. Now, before we dive into the discussion question, hopefully in your hub or in your life group or with some people that, in your household that you're gathered with right now, let's spend some time praying. What has stirred in you? What is your compass? Who is your compass? Are you ready to die to self? Because that's costly. Not painting this in any way other than the way that Jesus said it. You must follow him and you must become a kernel that dies and you must take up your cross. There you will find life and strength for your soul. Let's pray friends, God of glory. We worship you. Jesus, you are the light of the world. You shine brightly. And you call us to follow you. You are our compass. You are true north. Lord, we confess there can be many things that have battered our souls and maybe still are even today. We may have become bitter and angry. We may have set aside your commands just so that we can figure out how we can be right or how the people we agree with are right or how other people are wrong. Oh God, forgive us. Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. You are the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. We trust you and we decide and discern and we commit right now to lay down our rights, to love and forgive, to speak truth, to walk righteously, to love lavishly, to be generous to serve this world the way you did. So Lord, teach us what this means and strengthen our souls. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Okay, friends, the Lord goes before you to guide you. He's behind you to protect you. He's beside you to be your friend. He is within you by the Holy Spirit to make you able for all things to strengthen your soul follow him here's the question to talk about what do i need to die to in order to become more fully alive as a follower of jesus spend time with that one spur each other on and let's be a church who really knows jesus and makes him known